Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word and we're grateful for every chance we have to approach any aspect of it. We'd ask you to keep us ordered as we take it in, that we'd know the good that you want us to hear. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We're in Matthew uh, chapter 3. It's on probably the most filled out portion on John the Baptist's ministry. And John the Baptist's ministry, uh, he's really, a, again, a, a, a short address character right before the Messiah comes, related to the Messiah, preparing the way of the Messiah. Um, but his basic, other than his talk of repentance to the uh, people who needed it and his baptizing at the Jordan, he is, uh, as you know, preparing the way of the Lord. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now over on the left-hand side, I have that section of Isaiah. It's Isaiah 40. And I wanted to read a little bit more, not because it's the point of the sermon, but because it, 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 it leverages us into it a bit more. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries, says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withers, the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Now, I don't know if I was intending to have an announcement about mowing the lawn of the church and that passage. But we'll get into that suggestive aspect of the Isaiah passage in a little bit in the, in the Matthew text. But there is a preparation in John's uh, message of repentance. And this is what sometimes the saints of God forget. Not that they forget to repent, but they forget that the repentance is preparation. It's not the thing. You don't live a life of, you know, if you've ever heard Jim Wilson talk about confession of sin, you know, and I'm big on confession of sin, and we're big on repentance from dead works, but you don't make a home there. That's preparing the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is something else, which John also preached. He was saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But he's not saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is repentance. You shouldn't be living a life that is always digging you out of a hole. 
you repent. Especially in this case, it's right at that transition between the kingdom of God, the new covenant coming, and the old covenant passing away. So John the Baptist is like the last of the prophets. And uh, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And so you get the prophets and the Messiah uh, handing off the baton. And with the changes that are going to go on there. And this is one of those key moments of a change between the old and new covenant. But if you don't, if you read through the Old Testament, listen to the prophets, if you read through the law, if you read through any of these good and holy things that are being suggested, they are in many ways, not only as John preparing the way of the Lord, but all the law was there. As a, what did the, Paul call it? A schoolmaster or a uh, superintendent, a custodian. Someone that increased the trespass, that didn't make you holy, it, it just lets you know you weren't. And repentance is a way of dealing with that realization you're not holy. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather girdle around his waist. Why were you told that? There's all sorts of spiritual value to camel hair and leather girdles. I don't know what it looked like, nor do I care what it looked like. Probably care more what it smelled like. But they say this because it was prophesied in Malachi that Elijah would come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And they asked John himself if he was Elijah. He said no. And they asked the Christ if about John, and he said, he is Elijah, who is to come. Now, when you say, John, 4, uh, John 3, 4 says, now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather girdle around his waist. Let's go to 2 Kings. I, oh, I put it out for you. You don't have to. Um, Ahaziah had sent somebody who fell through the lattice work in his bathroom and fell in, well, in the outhouse and got sick. And he wanted to know if he was going to recover, so he sent messengers to... Ekron to consult the god of Ekron, Baalzebub, and the messengers ran into a guy. And the guy said, he's going to die. Go back and tell him he's going to die. And they said to him, there came a man to meet us and said to us, go back to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, is it because there is no god in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone, but you shall surely die. He said, What kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? They answered him, He wore a garment of hair cloth with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. It's the uniform of Elijah the Tishbite. It's how people knew it was Elijah. Ah, yeah, that guy. Now, it could be that John had taken on that uniform to make that connection in people's mind, because it was prophesied that Elijah would return and prepare the way of the Lord. And they were expecting Elijah. The people of the Jews asked John if he was. But that's, you say, well, that's, there, there is that in that. This was, this was the expected path. The new covenant was coming. You go all the way back to Jeremiah, 31, and you look at the promise of the new covenant, 
where the path, and we're going to talk about this on Wednesday night, where the path to righteousness is different than what so many people think. It's going to be different. They hung, had the law hung out there, but something needed to happen to man. Something had to be adjusted. Then went out to him, verse 5, Jerusalem and all Judea, all the region about the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And this is what repentance, when you come to repentance, you do. You look at your sins and you turn away from your sins. However you want to use the word repentance, it generally has to do with a turning. And you are looking at that going, ah, what an awful man I am. And when a prophet of God down where the Jordan is preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, you look at those things and you go, God doesn't like this. I don't like this. I'm repenting. I'm, I'm sorry for this. I need to turn away from this. I've known people to repent long before they became Christians. Repentance is, is your opinion of what a rat fink you are. Your opinion of how awful your life is. I remember uh, some of you know the LeFarrier boys, Michael LeFarrier, his dad, Leon, lived with us at the house. and He became a Christian a year after he repented. He had never heard of the gospel, hadn't heard the path to salvation, only realized how awful he was. He moved out of the town he was in, moved up to Moscow. Repentance you can confess your sins. But in John the Baptist, th that realization was preparation. Confessing your sins is not the grace of God. Confessing your sins is a necessary. You have to go through it. Repentance, you have to go through it. You can't um, not do it, but don't think that that's where you know, confession and repentance, boy, that sounds holy, not good enough. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And this is other than your view of John the Baptist's way of making friends and influencing people, calling them snakes in the grass. When he hangs over their head, he says, Bear fruit that befits repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Big whoop. We have to watch for a number of things. If we're looking for God to be coming into our lives, if we're looking for the kingdom of God, we have to say the paths of preparation and the guy in the haircloth shirt and the leather girdle who is preaching the preparation, he's in charge of what is preparatory. You may not disagree with God about your sin. You have got to be at the place, the words repentance and confessing their sins, these were preparatory. These were laying the groundwork in you that you want to get rid of what an awful person you are. And two, you can't make presumptions on God's grace. 
that somehow because you're a good American or because you were raised a Methodist or whatever you were raised, they, we have Abraham as our father. Don't presume to say. You, you have to realize that my repentance and my confession, we're going to assume that you've made some presumptions in between that repentance and the failure to bear fruit. John is saying, you know, really what's important about the repentance and the confession is that you bear fruit that befits repentance. In other words, that a life of someone who looks like they've given up on sin. That's what you've got to produce. Because if I repent and I don't, maybe I was presuming some standing that I have. I've got to produce. Now, John doesn't have the... He just he's, Again, he's a smelly guy out in the Jordan di- dipping people and calling them names. Verse 10, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's what made me think that that longer portion in Isaiah was beneficial, all flesh is grass, we are the grass, the breath of God blows on it, and it fades away, it withers, but something stands, and the something that stands is going to be that which bears good fruit, the tree that bears good fruit, as a result of confession and repentance, that's what the intention was, we are not looking for broken people, to sit around, hold hands together, and sing songs about how broken they are together. Don't make presumptions on the living God. He is breaking you. You are broken and repentant because you want to be unbroken. Oh, Lou Zamperini died this week. Um, Unbroken wrote movie coming out in front of my dad's. 97, something like that? 97. Yeah. Um, that's now on the tape. Uh, complete. Uh, do you understand that repentance and confession, in John's mind, for to be preparatory for the grace of Jesus Christ, has got to realize that there's a task. Not that the repentance and the confession produces the good fruit. He doesn't think that. He doesn't say that. He just says, you've got to expect good fruit. And this is preparation. This is making straight the way of the Lord. This is the glory of God revealed in Isaiah. Because he lets us know what the deal is between your repentance and your confession and good fruit. Because repentance is a confession, observance of the law, really being sorry about failing the law, really being big on the law again, isn't going to make you a better person. The Pharisees, when they had it in spades, and they're getting criticized here. Verse 11, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
This is the announcement of the kingdom. This is why with the, that is at hand, the kingdom, you are repent, repenting to prepare for. You're not repenting to prepare for John's baptism. John's baptism is repenting. Confessing your sin. Down there with John by the Jordan. Something is coming which your repentance, your heart about sin, your awareness that the job's not done till you bear good fruit. Because if you don't bear good fruit, you've made some, some presumptions about the power of your repentance. People do it every year, New Year's. They, they, they make some resolution. And you have certain kinds of either shame or, or laughing at yourself for failing to keep the resolution. You know, you know how people are about these things. They have these little repentances all the time. Well, I'm really not going to do that anymore. I remember working with drunk high school students in my youth. I'm never doing that again, as they threw up all over our garage. And of course, next weekend, same person, different throw up. They always made those promises. They always repented of the folly. They saw how stupid it was. But you know, there's a reason John is pointing them past his baptism. There's a kingdom of God that is coming that isn't John, isn't repentance. You've got to go through repentance. You have got to deal with your opinion of your sins. You may not presume anything of God. You stand there waiting for this. Someone who is coming after John, who is greater than John, who will baptize them not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He doesn't change the standard when he gets to this kingdom character. He says his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Hence, you can say that the gathering of the wheat is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Those that are gathered into the granary have been baptized in the Holy Spirit because he's baptizing with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then he gathers his wheat and he burns the chaff with unquenchable fire. You don't have to be a theologian to figure that one out. But that is, you know, John is putting his own ministry down. John is wonderful for this. You know, John the Baptist, everybody says, I'm kind of more like John the Baptist. You need to be more of a Jesus sort of person. But people who like to be, uh, oh, you brood of vipers, they like talking like that. But John always knew he wasn't, this wasn't the main act. This was a sideshow. This was, this was the opening act. This was, and the opening act is, you know, in music, it's never supposed to be better than the main act. Sometimes it is, but that's a big mistake and somebody's head will roll if the opening act was better than the star. But John is not. He knows he's not. He says, I must decrease that he may increase. He puts his own ministry in the shade and says, this is ineffectual what I'm doing, but necessary. I am preparing the way. And when I'm... When, when, when you talk about religion to people, too often it's that 
again, uh, having a repentance epiphany. Calling for the mountains to fall on you, saying you're sorry. Oh my gosh, walk in the aisle. Whatever you want to do in whatever church you're in. John wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit by this agent who is coming after him. That's what he wants. Because it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that will make the difference between a repentant soul that produces fruit and a repentant soul that doesn't. Because in the end, it's that way. Good fruit or fire. Good fruit or fire. Whether it's John's message, bear good fruit or be thrown into the fire. Jesus coming after him, who's going to gather his wheat into his granary, and he's going to throw the rest into the fire, because he's coming to bring Holy Spirit and fire. You have a choice. But don't think it stops with John, because something happens in Christ that's different. It's not uber-repentance. It's not, you know, more law-keeping. What is it? Now, what's interesting here, this is the third chapter of Matthew. It occurs very early in Luke and in Mark. Uh, um, it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You know that. He gets baptized by John right after this. <laughs> and then at the end of his ministry, in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus, post-resurrection, is talking to his disciples. In the first book, Acts 1, 1. I have it here on the right. O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commandment through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his passion by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking of the kingdom of God. Remember the one that John was preaching? Repent that you're ready. And while staying with them, he charged them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but before many days you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So at the end of the Lord's ministry, just before he is caught up in a cloud of glory, he says the same thing John says. And it reminds them about John. He says, John was just this. John was just a baptism of water for repentance. I am going to give you a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to wait until you get it. Now, these are the people that have been to Bible school with Jesus. Okay? I don't care where you went to seminary, what Bible school you went to, whether you sat at or Jim Wilson's teaching on evangelism for three years, and he told you all of his stories twice. I don't care what sort of information has gone into your head. Wait till you receive the Holy Spirit. You say, well, you sound like those disciples of Apollos and Ephesus and later in Acts. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> they were preaching the baptism of John. Much later, this, this distinction goes on. And I'm not so sure that it isn't constant in the church today. Variety of theologies, but that the idea of the baptism of John being sufficient. A baptism of water for repentance. 
and nobody waiting until they had been baptized by the Holy Spirit as a line between them not being in the kingdom and a line of them being in the kingdom. And you have a whole bunch of churches of people not being able to bear good fruit. And it becomes one of the big counseling things. Well, how do I do good things? Because they know they gotta. But they never waited till they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now you say, Evan, is this, during the week, did you have a speaking in tongues moment? Uh, where you, someone laid hands on you and you were, you know, now you're pew jumping and, and we're going to have banners and dancers down front with ribbons. If you've ever been in those churches, okay, never happening here. Now, it's, I'm, not a, I'm not a charismatic, I'm not a Pentecostal. It's in the Bible, right? Wait till you get baptized by the Holy Spirit. And you know the story a little later in Pentecost and the flames of fire, speaking with many different tongues. You, you know the story. He said, this is bothering us. We're good Anglo-Saxons here. We, we don't have those kind of emotions. Well, I'm not recommending you get emotional. I'm recommending you get saved. Because it isn't some second experience for Christians. It's Christianity. It may be, we're looking in many ways, as we look at repentance, we look for integrity, because it's inspirational. Um, we're not trying to be inspired by your repentance. Be prepared by your repentance. And you need to be prepared that when the Messiah comes, when Christ is preached, you fall on your knees and you believe. Acts 11. And this is Peter talking after he led Cornelius the Roman centurion to the Lord. And look at what happens in this, because it's this, this quote that was we've just been going through. John said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit with fire. Then Luke says, Christ said, John baptized with water, but before many days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Acts 11, 15, he said, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. Cornelius and his family. The Holy Spirit falls on them as he was speaking. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Peter says, what just happened to Roman centurion Cornelius, and his family, the Holy Spirit falling on them, is the application of what Jesus had said. It happened to them at Pentecost, and now it has happened to Cornelius while they're hearing the message of the gospel preached. That's what he's calling it. If then, God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us, in red, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not you walking down to the Jordan and you repenting from your sins. Repentance is you turning away 
John's repentance, you turning away from what you did. That is a preparation. You need to do it. You can't not do it. You can't say, ah, you know, everybody has different views about things. No, you've got to agree with God that what you are is awful. But it's not enough. Because the repentance that Christ preaches, you say, what is his repentance? Call, I have it here in the notes, call it kingdom repentance. It's not what we turn from, it's what we turn, turn toward. And we're turning toward, when Christ is preached, we're no longer turning from our sins, we're turning in John from our sins in Christianity to Christ. You believe Jesus Christ, not just in him, but him. You bow the knee to a, a particular Lord, not just to a general ethical claim of Judeo-Christianity and you want to be a good person now. That's just John's repentance. That's just going to get you, you know, 15 feet moving towards the kingdom. But if you don't go the rest of the distance, you won't be saved. Simple. He says, they received the same gift that we did, and look at the operative thing. Not when we spoke in tongues, but when we believed. That's when he says, who was I that I could withstand this demand to be saved by these people? No. Who was I that I could withstand God? God was doing it to these people. This is grace. This is not you working for something. You are prepared by your faith. You're prepared by your repentance. You're prepared by your seeking. All those things you do. Only God can save. Only God, if he pours out the Holy Spirit on you. And this is how they measure it. Verse 18, it's the last verse of the text this morning. When they heard this, this is the Jews back in Jerusalem. They were silenced. Remember, these were Gentiles that had just gotten saved, and it was a little bit iffy. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles, this is how they define what Peter said, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance unto life. That's how they speak of baptism in the Holy Spirit, obviously made to Cornelius and his family, that's how they defined their baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that God has granted us repentance unto life. And you have to be, the message of John and the message of Christ are the same. You repent and you have to bear good fruit. In repentance, there's not enough energy to bear good fruit. You can't make yourself good. You can't practice being good. You can only get saved into the good. You're forgiven of your sins. You're graced by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a repentance unto life. It's not just what you turned away from, how bad you were, but what you turned toward. You want to be... And you have, to, you have to be aware that Christianity is just a very different religion than just every other religion. 
every other religion likes to have an ethical demand that you are trying to live up to. And you do a series of things to make up for your failure, and you do a series of things to show that you agree with the God. Every repentance is just fine in any ethically based religion. Ours is a religion of the grace of God given to you because you believed that the grace of God was going to be given to you. <laughs> you weren't doing enough. You could never do enough. You were saved by grace through faith. This is not of your own doing. You've heard that? It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is the message of the gospel. This is what Paul and uh, what John and the Christ were teaching at the beginning of their ministry. And it is what Christ taught at the end of his ministry. And it's what Peter the Holy Apostle said regarding Jesus' ministry and John's ministry. This is what happens when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a repentance unto life. And the repentance, God has granted repentance unto life. Unless God grants, there's not going to be no good fruit. Now, I apologize to the Reformed here. Because it sounds kind of Reformed. I'm not reformed. But that's what it says. God has granted repentance unto life. God has given you salvation. You can't jump through enough hoops of enough faith until God says, yeah. When you believed, I believed you believed. When you believed, he gave you the same gift. This gift. You say, well, I'm not a very good Christian. Well, ask yourself first, are you a Christian? Not because Christians are perfect, but because Christians are called into a state of, a state of being where the fruit of God, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control are just there for the ask, just there for the being. Because God has overwhelmed them. He's immersed them in his Holy Spirit. Just like John was dipping people in the river, you've been dipped in God. A lot of Christians claim that. A lot of churches claim that. We claim that because it's true. But it has to be, unless you bear fruit, saying it in our statement of faith ain't going to make it any different. If your kids are rotten, if you're rotten, and it just seems natural to be rotten, check to see whether or not grace is there because grace carries with it the kingdom of God. Grace of God carries with it righteousness. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are grateful. Your mercies. Waiting in history for man to arrive many righteous pointing to the wrongs we have done, needing something, Lord, different than more law. Lord, we're very thankful that coming to your Son, believing in him, his death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead and his ascension, to be seated at your right hand, to intercede for us, Lord, we trust that our belief in him The joys we find in your Son 
the love we find in him is all because of the baptism of your Holy Spirit. Help us preach the gospel of the kingdom as it ought to be preached. That we prepare people and that we point people to where their repentance must turn. To whom must it turn? And who must they bow before? In your son's name we pray. Amen.